G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. We wouldn't want to miss the opportunity, would we, to check in on what's happening with the Understanding the Times tour with Dr. Camille Majdali. He leads the Teach All Nations organisation. This year, he's back on our soil here in Australia. And the theme of the tour, the Understanding the Times tour, is Turning the Corner. And uh, let's get some insights. Camille did a wonderful presentation on Monday night. You might have caught the live stream, which was a preview to the tour that's coming over these next couple of months. The tour will take in Queensland, where it starts, then it moves to Victoria, to Tasmania and to Western Australia. You'll be able to check the Vision website to find out the dates and the times and the tour venues. But uh, Dr. Camille Majdali, a special welcome back to 2020. Good to be back, Neil. Camille, you got off the plane just the other day. And uh, when you got on the plane from the UK, you got off the plane in Australia. In all of that time, the upheaval in the UK with the death of Queen Elizabeth. I know you've spent a long, long time uh, studying the monarchy, studying the constitutional monarchy. So it's a real depth in there. But you had a personal appreciation for the Queen. Well... I do. And the interesting thing is I didn't grow up with a constitutional monarchy. As you can tell, I was in the United States for the first part of my life. And I learned why the Americans broke from the monarchy, but I didn't know how the modern monarchy works. But one thing I found out very quickly is that the monarchy of 1776 and George III was a whole different creature to the one we have now in terms of it was some things are the same. But it's gone from being, you know, the divine right of kings, and the king can do no wrong, and he can decree what he wants to, a servant leadership role that is, of course, regal. And Elizabeth II was the amazing embodiment of servant leadership. One of the things, I mean, people comment is that she was always doing her duty, It never occurred to her not to do it. She never refused to do what was expected of her. She never lost her temper or berated people or bullied people. And she basically never put a foot out of place. While there may have been scandals involving the royal family, the queen herself was scandal-free. Now, that is amazing as a track record, especially when you consider it was over 70 years. Let me ask you something that goes a little deeper than an ordinary conversation about the Queen, because we know that she was almost universally loved. And when we use that word loved, we might say, what was lovable about the Queen? Why do you think the people of the world, and it goes way beyond the borders of the United Kingdom, uh, it extends here to Australia, people loved Queen Elizabeth? That's a very good question. 
I will do my best to answer it, but I feel there's an intangible. For the Australian example, I believe she came to this nation 16 times, and she is the titular head of state. I really do believe the governor general is the effective head of state. But she came, she showed interest, and she came at good times, and that, including the opening of the Opera House, the opening of Parliament, that was in the bicentennial year, the 1954 visit of her and the Duke of Edinburgh apparently was legendary. Crowds were coming out of the woodwork to see these, these young royals visit the land down under because I guess basically she's the first reigning monarch to actually visit the country. And as I said, she's done it 16 times. And then in the hard times, when there are natural disasters and like, she was never far away in terms of her interest. Obviously, she may be in the UK when she's showing it, but she, she definitely demonstrated her care in times of trouble to the people of Australia. So some of those things are important. And also, I mean, she give momentary time, attention to little children who are handing her bouquets and to the elderly women. And, of course, the obligatory birthday message on a 100th birthday. Those kind of things mean a lot to people even who have never met her, but they just feel there's somebody above them that really does care. So people could love Queen Elizabeth. Uh, the big question might be, will they be able to love King Charles in the same way? Or does this all come down to how Charles might cultivate that sort of love uh, really internationally? Look, my understanding is that the ki- Queen's predecessors, her parents, the King George VI and Queen Elizabeth, they started off in a rocky reign, but they also were loved because they stayed in the UK during the blitz of the Nazis, and they mingled among the people, all the people, and this caused them to be loved. And this, these, they were the Queen's role models, her own parents. Well, Charles has had 70, nearly 74 years of his mother as a role model of doing the same thing, mingling, having a servant attitude, being there as a constant reassuring presence. He's seen it. So there's a good chance he can emulate that too. I know he can be uh, opinionated, and I know he has some eccentric ways, but I just believe the power of the crown is as such. He will probably do a very good job. It's one thing to attract the love of the people, even internationally, a global form of love. Uh, But as you say, there's something in the character of the Queen uh, that was a lovingness, that perhaps was love that attracted love. Uh, I imagine that sometimes love is so uh, defined in different ways these days that coming back to this definition of love and service and duty is not necessarily what most people think of first up. No, it may not. But let's also remember that the Queen had a conspicuous Christian background or affinity or fidelity, or let's just say she was a genuine Christian. Not only was she consistent in church attendance, even on her holidays, but she seemed to have a well-worn Bible. And most of all, it's her whole lifestyle dedicated to service, which is what we call ministry. 
It's a, a very remarkable thing. So when you are a genuine Christian, love is something that should be effortless, not just your own organic human love, but the love of God flowing through you. And even though the queen, in her own way, was reserved and proper and stiff upper lip, I don't think that can prevent a show of love. I mean, just by being there and visiting these countries, be it Australia or Commonwealth countries or uh, nations, and giving time, not lots of time, but to all kinds of people and all kinds of situations, what motivates a person to do that? It has to be love. And when people love so consistently over many years, it's called sowing and reaping, Neil. You will get and harvest that which you have sown. And that's probably one of the greatest reasons that she is so loved, because she loved first. Is there something in that love, uh, which is the ability to know when not to speak? Because oftentimes we feel like uh, we're going to make an influence, uh, we're going to assert ourselves, uh, we're going to be power-oriented, but she did seem to know when not to speak and those sorts of policies that created a culture within the British monarchy. Now, Charles is going to need to modify the way that he now is able to take on that role as king because he's used to having a say on some pretty sometimes divisive issues. Well, not long ago, and I'll, I'll keep it generic, but Charles issued an opinion. I don't even think he did it in public, but he did it so somebody heard, and they passed it on to the rest of the world. He offered an opinion on the then Boris Johnson government's policy. I won't say which one it is. And it was just, I think, two or three words, but it was controversial. He then made a statement, he will not be doing such things as king. He says he knows better. And I thought that was interesting because I personally felt that's what he would do as king is he would not be vocal. But here was a confirmation, literally, what, two or three months ago, not expecting his mother to die that soon, but I believe he will do his duty and restrain himself. It's also said that when someone lets the queen down, someone who's not doing their duty or not doing it well, she never berates, and in fact, apparently, she never says anything. Just a quick little look, that's it. That's it, a quick little look to show her disappointment. And apparently, that little look from a woman of her stature can be devastating. Well, there are a lot of lessons she learned over 96 years. Uh, anecdotally, we know that she is a woman who prayed, that she read her Bible regularly. And as you say, she was a regular church attender. There's a certain sense in which you cultivate levels of your character and the Bible and prayer and uh, the giving God uh, all glory, putting him above what you do, even though you're the monarch. There's something in there for all of us, isn't there, that we can perhaps model ourselves on what we can see has gone before with Queen Elizabeth and coming back to how we might understand a biblical way of cultivating these relational things before God. Well, the Queen, in my opinion, was a great role model. But she's not the only role model. And the good thing is, in the Christian faith, among Christian people, there are wonderful role models, many of them more inconspicuous, without the prominence of a monarch. But these role models are invaluable showing us that Christian faith is something you live out. It's not just 
words in the Bible. It is a living, breathing faith, and it's got character qualities that are alpine high, and they're from God. And so we need to just find our role models, and more importantly, as we mature, we need to be those role models. And I'd say the Queen, again, set a good example for us all. Undoubtedly, on the Understanding the Times tour, there's going to be a dimension in the presentation that will take in the big developments with the death of Queen Elizabeth II and the rise to the throne of King Charles III. And there'll be a lot of other uh, huge topics, trends, that you'll be focusing on, Camille. Let me just say for listeners, check the Vision website for dates, times and venues for the Understanding the Times tour. It starts in Queensland, it moves to Victoria, to Tasmania, then back to Victoria and then on to WA. At the end of the tour, there'll be a deep dive across four Monday nights presentations that will take us deeper into some of the global trends that are shaping our world today and coming with a Christian biblical worldview on how we think about those. Keep your eye out, vision.org.au for those dates and venues. And you can also connect with Camille through his Teach All Nations website, tan.org.au. Camille, thanks so much for joining us today on 2020. Pleasure, Neil, and God bless Australia. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.